We live in a, a kind of a, a new world of technology. Some of it's good and some of it's bad and some of it's a mix of the two. One of the things I started doing a few years back was uh, writing a, a blog. If you don't know what a blog is, it's basically a, um, an article that appears on a website. And so I've, I've got a little website. It sounds rather egotistical. It's jimmylong.net. Um, but uh, that way, at least you know it's me. And I started writing this, this blog, and, and you don't always expect to get responses, but there are rooms for comments, and a lot of times those comments are positive, and sometimes they're encouraging, and sometimes they're not. And so I wanted to begin this morning by actually sharing a response to a blog post that I put up uh, a few years back. And it was dealing with the difference between being a part of a a local church, a vibrant part of a local church, and simply watching church on television uh, when you have a choice. Now, I realize that there are people because of their physical conditions and locations uh, that for them it's, it's not possible. But when possible, being connected in the life of a local church and the value of that. And this was the response that I got back, and I won't put any names with this, so I'm just, I just want to read to you what, what the response was. The response was this, while I agree with you in theory, the reality is the church is filled with people, and people are flawed. Trust me, I'm as flawed as the next guy, but when I'm at church, I feel surrounded by judgmental people. They talk about you, or they talk to you in order to find out things to talk about. The people not only make me feel uncomfortable, but they have that effect on my kids. What what that does is push people away from Jesus instead of moving them closer. I have been so disappointed in the church that in order to keep my faith and walk closer to Jesus, that I chose to have church at home. Now, I read that, and your your first reaction is, how dare you write such a thing? Uh, But after reflection, you begin to ask, is there validity to that? And there's certainly some things that were written by this person that are true. The church is filled with people, and people are flawed. That's absolutely accurate. I also understand that there are some churches where people go that they are judged. I mean, it is, it's, they are under a microscope and fingers are being pointed and whispers and things like that. But what I read was I feel judged. And then you heard the rest of it. I know a little bit about this person and I know why they would feel judged because all their lives they've They've lived in that kind of a place. But one of our core values here at Grace is that love and community must permeate every aspect of church life. And although we are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, I have found, and I realize I'm the pastor, so you may want to ask other people if you're guests and see what their take is. I have found that Grace Fellowship is one of the most open, loving, caring groups of people that I have ever been associated with. I have seen you embrace people from all walks of life whose lives have been total disasters 
by any definition of the term. And I have seen you put your arms around them and walk with them and love them and move them closer to Jesus, not push him away. And after knowing this person and their circumstances and the things that they've gone through, I I would dare say here today that what this response showed, and I did respond back, and we tried to get some dialogue going, but it was pretty much hitting a stone wall. I would dare say that what this blog post showed was a, a marked misunderstanding of what the church is and what it means to be part of a church. I was talking to Washi White earlier this morning, and uh, if you don't know Washi, uh, last year uh, Washi lost his wife after a long period of struggle. It was a it was a long period of time, and it's it's been tough. Went through the first Christmas without his wife. I can't imagine that, and all kinds of other things going on, turmoil that that takes place in life, but. But he, he was telling me he was talking to someone at the bank. And in the process, he just mentioned that he could not have made it without his church family. And that's a story that I've heard over and over and over and over and over again. And it's why we encourage you not just to attend, but to connect. To, 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 to be where people are, to 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 get involved in their lives. And I, I realize, here's, here's the thing I want to let you know. If you do that, you will be in a group with flawed people. And the good news about it is they understand that God loves flawed people. And that God's grace covers flawed people. We are all flawed. In fact, we're worse than flawed. We're dead in our sins and trespasses apart from Jesus Christ. We're utterly lost and completely blind apart from Jesus Christ. I stand before you as someone who's been redeemed, who has been bought with the precious blood of the Savior Jesus Christ. I stand before you as someone who has been bathed in the grace and the mercy of God. I do not stand before you because I deserve this, because I have earned this, because I'm somehow better than you. I'm right there with you. I've been called to shepherd this flock, but you know I shepherd this flock as one of the sheep. I had a, a, one of my favorite books that I read as I was preparing for ministry was a, a book on pastoral ministry, and the book was entitled... They smell like sheep. So do I. So we're all in this together. And so as we begin this new year, 2019, I wanted us to begin talking about what it means to be a church and, and specifically to be a local church because I want us, to, get on, I want us to, to be on the same level of understanding, the same groundwork for where we are because we are flawed people. But we, had a per, we have a perfect Savior. And because of that, we can come together. Because so many people have varied ideas, what I'd like to do is to begin by 
giving you a little bit of a, a Greek lesson. You don't really want this, but you're going to get it. The word church itself actually uh, derives from an old English, English word, kirsi, which derives from a Greek word, kuriakos. Kuriakos means that which belongs to the Lord, which gives us a pretty good idea of why the church has that word, why the connection, because we belong to the Lord. But it's interesting to note that the word kuriakos is only used twice in the New Testament. It's used by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty 20, when he talks about the Lord's Supper, that is, that supper, that celebration that belongs to the Lord. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, it's used by John when he refers to the Lord's day. That is, that day that is set apart that belongs to the Lord. But it is never used specifically in reference to the church. And so we get that word, and it's not specifically related to the church, but we understand the context and, and why it came to be. Because we are a people belonging to the Lord. We are God's people, Jesus' people. Now the word that is translated as church most often in the New Testament is a word ecclesia. This word ecclesia comes from two, it has two parts to it. If you can, you can look at it right behind you, the ek or the ex, depending on how it's written, means out of or out from. And the word kaleo, which is the, the Greek verb that is the second part of this word, this is kind of a compound word, means uh, those that are called out. And so, or those that are called. And so this word literally means the called out ones. It was originally used in ancient Greece to talk about an assembly of people. When a decision needed to be made in a community, they called the people out for a purpose and they came together and they cast a vote. We actually see this in Acts chapter 19. Paul has been in Ephesus and his preaching and his miracles have created quite a ruckus in Ephesus. And so they call for an ecclesia, an assembly of the people to try to figure out what do we do about this new message that's come into the city of Ephesus. The word ecclesia is used in reference to the church over 50 times in the New Testament. And it's used in one of two ways. It's either used as referring to the church universal or the big church, the whole, all believers everywhere, or it's used in reference to the local church. So ecclesia can be used of both the universal church or it can be used of the local church. I'll give you a couple of, couple of examples, and I'm, I appreciate you hanging with me on this because I think it's important for us to lay the foundation and know who we are and, and where these terms come from. First of all, we belong to the Lord. Secondly, we're called out from the world, and we're called to assemble together as the people of God for a purpose. As far as the universal church, in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, we read, so the church, that is ecclesia, Throughout all Judea, Galatia, and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You see, this is the broader church, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And then in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 8, we read that uh, he is head of the body, the church, universal. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The Bible talks about the church as that broad thing. So um, we are the church. So our brother Moses, who's a missionary in India, he is part of the same church that we are part of. We all belong to Jesus Christ. We've all been called out for a purpose. He is a part of that. Our brothers and sisters who suffer persecution in China, in Afghanistan, in Saudi Arabia, in North Korea, they are all part of the church. That's why we call them our brothers and sisters. We are all here together. It's a universal church. And yet, the New Testament over 50 times talks about the local church. A couple of examples. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the church which was at Jerusalem... That is a local church. That is a local expression of the larger body of Christ. Or the church of God in 1 Corinthians, the church of God which is at Corinth. And then Jesus, seven times in the book of Revelation, mentions specific churches, the letters to the seven churches. Now they have relevance to us, but he was writing to these specific local bodies of believers. So each local congregation, that is, gathering of believers in Jesus, is a unique expression of the universal church and vitally important to the ongoing mission of Jesus in the world. And I want you to hold on to that for a minute, because that's true. Every church is a unique expression. Even though we share the Great Commission, we share the Great Commandment, We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Even though we share all those things in common, you will find that Grace Fellowship is unique. Just as Lakeside is unique, First Baptist is unique, First Methodist is unique. We're all unique expressions of that. There are variations because God has brought these different people together and given them a heart. One of the things that you discover or will discover about Grace Fellowship is not only that we are open and welcoming to everybody, but we encourage people to, to actually roll up their sleeves and get to work in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be in this building. In fact, you will find Grace Fellowship people scattered throughout ministries in our community, scattered in our schools. And that's what we want to see because part of our heartbeat is that if Jesus has saved us, redeemed us, and changed us, then we are to shine like light. We are to be salt in the world, and we're to make a difference in our community. And so when you see someone reading in the library or reading in the schools or taking time to, to teach after school or when you see someone who's, who's volunteering at Atlas or volunteering in the thrift store or, or hammering nails on a Habitat house or whatever those expressions are, listen, it's because of the heartbeat of this church. We are a unique expression of the universal body. We're a little bit different and that's okay. We're not all called to be the same. When we look in the Bible, we see there are a lot of references to what the church is to be. And I won't go through all of these extensively. We will be covering some over the next few weeks. But the Bible teaches that the church is the body of Christ. And that each one of us is a member of it. The the Bible teaches that we are the people of God. We belong to God. The Bible teaches that we are the bride of Christ. That is, God is preparing us now for that great wedding celebration. 
when we will be, one day when we all get to heaven and every tear is going to be wiped away and every disease is going to be gone. God's preparing us now for that day. We are the bride of Christ. And it's as if we're standing at the door. I had to do this. This was the wildest thing. Some of you guys have had to do this. I was standing there at the back of the line with the most beautiful girl dressed in white on my arm waiting for the time we were to parade down the aisle and every eye would be on her. That's where we are right now. We are the bride of Christ ready to walk the aisle and to be received by Jesus, our groom, and to be united with him perfectly forever. The Bible says that we are the flock of God. We are, we are the, his sheep, and he is our shepherd. And the Bible says that we're precious to Jesus, that we are his beloved. All those things the Bible teaches, and we need to understand, when we devalue the church, when we put the church down, when we push the church aside, we are invalidating all these things that, that God has said, this is who, who my people are. This is what the, the church is all about. If I were to attempt to define the church, and I've been so bold as to do so, You'll find a lot of definitions of what the local church is, but let me just give you my definition, and and this I will want to carry through uh, over the next few weeks. My definition is this. A local church is a community of committed believers in Jesus Christ, united in love and purpose, and living in such a way as to affirm the truth and power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, You're going to find a lot of people define the local church in a lot of different ways, but they all kind of tie in the same way. This is my definition. This is my working definition of what it is to be a church. This is what we want to live out on a daily basis. But even as I I say this, I realize that really only scratches the surface. As we come together for worship, as we go out and serve, as we love one another, as we as we disciple and teach and educate and grow up and care for and all those things that we as a church do. And so we begin today considering what it means to be the church and to be a local church. But I will say that to be effective, to be effective, and here's my challenge for you, to be effective in this, we need to have a what-if attitude We need to begin to ask ourselves, what if I approach this whole church thing a little differently? Let me maybe stir your imagination a little bit. What if we started 2019 by asking God to to open my eyes to what it means to be a member of a local church like Grace Fellowship? God, what what does it mean for me, for my family? What, What does it mean that I'm connected to the body of Christ called Grace Fellowship? What if I I put my preconceptions aside and allow the Lord to speak to me through his word? When I open God's word and he begins to show me who I am and who I am as part of the people of God, then all the, the preconceptions, the ideas, the thoughts that I've had, God, would you be willing to allow me to move those things aside 
and allow you to, to define this for me, to help me understand it and to move me along that path? What if the church became less about my self-satisfaction and more about the needs of others? Listen, if you're a guest with us, then we are here to serve you. But if you're a member, you are here to serve. I hope that doesn't insult anyone. I just want to be as honest as I can. If you are a member of Grace Fellowship, you are part of the body of Christ. And God has gifted you and, and has selected you and has called you to serve. And so we want to take that seriously. It's not just about what makes me happy. It's how I am here today to serve. How would that change your attitude if when you got out of the car, you just turned to your husband and your wife and said, today we're here to serve. It's not going to be about what I want. We're here to serve others today. What if the church became less about me and more about the body of Christ? What if the church became less about what makes me happy and more about our shared mission together? What if the church became less about being a consumer and more about being a servant? Our nation has done us a terrible, terrible disservice. And it can't help it because it's secular. But everything we're taught from the time we're small is to consume, consume, consume. Our entire nation, our, our economy is built on that. Um, I have, well, sitting there and there, down there, I am not paying $1,000 for a new phone. Anybody with me on that? It just ain't happening. But every time they put that commercial on television, I want it. It, it edges me a little closer, and I have to keep reminding myself, I'm not paying $1,000 for a phone. But every time the TV commercial comes on, it edges me a little closer. Man, they paint such an attractive picture because we're consumers, and that's the way we're trained. And so when we come to church, we think, I'm here to consume. Give me what I want. Give me what meets my needs. Give me what makes me happy. Make me comfortable. But that is not why we're here. We are here as worshipers. We are here as servants. We are here as brothers and sisters. What if God could change our minds and change our hearts. If he could do that, he could change our church. As good as it is, he could make it better. And he could change our ministry. And he could change the way we connect in our community and connect with other people. What if? It's easy to be critical of the church. And sometimes I've been in the front of that line. It's easy to ignore the church and think the church's time is past. It's easy to disconnect from the church and abandon it all together and say, I can just do this at home. But what we need to understand is the church of Jesus Christ is God's plan A and there is no plan B. Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures for free-range Christians. For Lone Ranger Christians, they're not there. 
unless you look at John who was on the Isle of Patmos because he was exiled. And even then, his heart was with the church. God made us not just to belong to him, but to belong to and with one another. Now you are the body of Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You're the body of Christ and individually members of it. That's in 1 Corinthians 12, and Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 12 a lot about the body. We're going to look more about that later. But I told you about that wedding I was part of. Actually, I had three weddings that I was part of in December. One in Puerto Rico, one in Macon for my niece, and then my daughters this past New Year's Eve. At each of those weddings, well, I'm going to have to assume on the first one because my Spanish is not very good. I'm going to assume 1 Corinthians 13 was part of that service. If anybody was there and can uh, correct me, please do. But in the two that I did, and really in every service I do, I reference love from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. You know the verses, right? I reference that. And when I do premarriage counseling, we talk about what that kind of love is. And we look at ourselves and examine ourselves and ask, am I patient, am I kind, and so forth. And then we look at our, our partner and we say, okay, what do I see in them? Are they patient? Are they kind? And, and we go through that, okay? And that's not a, a misappropriation of that passage whatsoever. But the reality is, 1 Corinthians 13, that love passage is not in context of romantic love between a husband and a wife. It's in the context of the local church. Go back and read it if you don't believe me. Go back and read chapters 12 through 14. Paul is talking all the way about the church, about the church, about the church. And he's telling the Corinthians, hey, you guys are divided and you're separated and you're fighting and you're, you're, you're ranking everything. And, and listen, you need to love each other. And so as you ponder the what if for 2019, what if I became a vital part of the life of this fellowship? What if I came with the heart of a servant? What if I lifted up the name of Jesus Christ? What if I became less critical and more supportive? What if I, when you begin to ask those what ifs, I want you to do it in context of these verses. And here, I need to ask a favor of you. I need to ask you if you'll close your eyes and just listen. And I want you to hear what Jesus says to us as the church. Don't think about husband and wife. Think about your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Here it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends.
Now you can open your eyes. What if that is the attitude as the people of God that we took into 2019? What if we looked at one another with that kind of love? What difference would it make? Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples. Why? Because of how you love one another. What if that is grace fellowship in 2019? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for speaking to us and for not holding back. Lord, it's so easy to just use those words about love and to think about them in reference to romance, weddings, marriages, relationships. But, Lord, you spoke about it in a a different kind of relationship. You spoke about it with the relationship that we have with one another as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, Lord, I am so grateful I'm so grateful, Lord, that you enable us to love like that because it doesn't come naturally. It comes supernaturally. And so, Lord, would you make us into that kind of people as we respond to one another, as we love one another and serve one another and encourage one another and all those other 59 one another's that are in the New Testament. Lord, make that be real for us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to value the relationship that we have with you in this local church and that we would value our brothers and sisters around the world who are also part of your family. And Lord, I pray that if there are those today who need to become part of that family, who need that relationship with you to become your son, to become your daughter through faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, if you're leading them today to embrace your son as Savior and to follow him as Lord, then Lord, I pray today might be their day and that your spirit would move in their hearts even now to call them to you. Lord, I pray for those who need a church home, a church family, a place to belong, a place where they can connect, a place where they can love and be loved, serve and be served, a place where they can, their growth can just multiply as they begin to live out this love and live out this mission. Lord, if you're calling them to connect with us, then if it's today, let it be today. And Lord, if there are those who simply need to on this first Sunday of a new year, who just need to come, Lord, and say, Lord, I, I need, there's some things I need to leave here. There's some repentance that needs to take place in my life. There's a turning away and, and an embracing something new you have for me, and it needs to start today. Then, Lord, let this be a holy altar, a place where we can do business with you. Heavenly Father, do your work even now in the hearts and minds and lives of young